Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, and Dawkin Cabin. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. I'll put it right. Jerry, not a word about Leona Maguire on LMFM. She made history the weekend. Is it because she's from Cavan? Not a bit of it. I'm going to put that right now because I had her top of my list here to congratulate her this afternoon. Well done, Leona Maguire. What a woman you are. In case you don't know, uh, Leona Maguire has been on the LGPA tour, the Ladies Professional Tour in the States. We all know how brilliant she was in the recent Solheim Cup. But the weekend, she crossed the Rubicon. She won her first title on the US tour, made history being the first Irish woman to win on the US tour. And I'm simply delighted for her. And she was in great company. And she ran out a comfortable winner in the end. It was tight going into the back nine on the final day. But she won comfortably in the end. What a fantastic win. And I remember on late lunch, I met her and her sister and her mum in Killeen Castle when we followed the the, uh, Solheim Cup when it was on here in Ireland some years back. And I met the two girls then and they were destined for greatness. And my God, wasn't it a fabulous weekend for Irish golf? And a mention of Seamus Power too, who was in the hunt on the men's tour uh, at Pebble Beach, but he just fell away. Uh, led after the first two rounds, but fell away. But he's doing great. He's into the top 50 now in the world and making huge progress. But congratulations to Leona Maguire. You are a star. And when our Irish stars shine in sport, we are simply delighted. Well done to her. Well done indeed. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. You're welcome to the show again this uh, Monday afternoon, the start of a brand new week. Now, I'm going back to a, a lady I met on late lunch many moons ago. And last time we spoke, I think it was around about the spring of 2018. And she told me at that stage, and she's a businesswoman, she was ditching her smartphone. And I'm scratching my head thinking, what's going on, Lisa Dunbar? But four years on, she reminded us because the anniversary is approaching. And I take it you're still smartphone free, are you, Lisa? I am indeed, yes. Still still loving life, smartphone free, absolutely. <laughs> Have you, look, come on, for, when I think about it, I can't believe it's the spring of 2018 no. when we spoke and you took this decision. And you can only imagine, sure, four uh, months, uh, never mind four years, is huge in the developmental stages of this communications yeah. world, and especially with phones. And I just think from then to now, the way the world has become more dependent on smartphones, apps, etc., for connectivity, and especially in business. Have you missed it? Do you feel you've lost out at all, Lisa? Um, not really. Now, to be honest, I definitely, so it's four years nearly since I've been without it, and definitely in the last year or so, I've kind of come across maybe a few more uh, you know, inconveniences, we'll call them, not uh, major difficulties. But I don't know, again, as you said, maybe if it's the the rate of technology change or if it's something to do with the pandemic, maybe. But definitely there's a few things that have become a little bit more difficult over the last year, like just things like online banking. I mean, like I might as well be trying to break into the safe in the bank, the rigmarole of trying to get onto my online banking on a computer. Um, and just little things like that have become a little bit more difficult. But 
but no, overall, I'm still enjoying the, the benefits. I always say never say never. I, I, I wouldn't say I'd never, ever go back to a smartphone. But for me, the, the benefits are still far, far outweighing um, those sort of inconveniences that, that you might experience. So what you have is a dumb phone. Now, I mean that in the best possible taste. <laughs> I'm not saying that in any other context. But what you have is a phone that takes makes calls texts. Yeah, calls and texts, basically. That's, that's, that's it. it. Uh, there's an alarm on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lisa. Oh, Lisa, you're really modern. You have an alarm on your phone in the name of God Almighty. God, we won't be able to keep up with you if you keep going like that. But you have managed in your daily working life on that basis. No problem. I mean, um, the thing is, and, and sometimes people uh, kind of have the misconception that like not using a smartphone means that I don't use the internet. Um, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, I'm on the internet most of the day when I'm sitting in front of yeah. a computer. So I use the internet on a computer, um, which is still very accessible to me. Um, I'm still quite convenient. You know, I work from home. Um, but it just means that I'm not carrying the internet around with me in my hands all the time. And um, that, was, that was the main reason. So, uh, you know, and there's no, like, there's lots of benefits. I'd never dispute that there's there's so many benefits to our smartphones and technology in general. And, you know, they were designed to enhance our lives. And they have in many, many ways enhanced our lives. But I think most people at this stage would sort of uh, agree that that's come at a bit of a price that there is, you know, um, like I... I I've uh, been doing lots of webinars over the last couple of years and I always um, ask a poll um, as to whether people think that their smartphone affects their well-being in any way and you know out of thousands of respondents 95% of people say that they, they uh, feel at this stage that their smartphone is affecting their well-being so I just think yeah we can't sort of ignore that there is a bit of a downside to it as well as much as we do get lots of benefits and lots of conveniences from it um, I, I think we kind of have to take a cold hard look sometimes maybe mm. at our relationships with our smartphones and sort of um, not that you have to give it up like I spent a good year and a half graduating cutting down before I decided to give it up so I kind of you know I, I made the decision it wasn't a rash decision I kind of got to a point where I thought oh I, I think I, I could go without it and I'd like to try to go without it um, and you know it was a bit of an experiment at the time so you know even I can't still believe really four years later I still don't use it but mm. um, there's been nothing so far that's made me think oh no actually I'm, I'm going to have to go back back to using it Well, you are a case study, that's for sure. And, you know, but when I think about it, I'm just here listening to you carefully. And you know what's going through in my head? All these beeps I get from the mails coming in, the Facebook alerts, the Messenger, the Twitter, uh, Instagram. Jesus, it's it's, it's, relentless. And I mean, you know, out of hours, weekends and that as well, you have it with you. You don't have that. Exactly. Yeah, that was it was about taking control back a little bit. Like I still I use social media and I still I have group messaging with people, but I have to make a a sort of a more conscious decision to go and check those things. Um, Mm. You know, they're not invading my life all the time. I I make the decision to use them. So I think that was that was kind of the main thing was just putting me back in control and not sort of being a slave to my phone all the time and having sort of it. Uh, you know, notify me all the time and sort of have it distract me and interrupt my my daily routine all the time. That now I make a decision as to to when mm. and how I use those things. And um, but you know, I still still use them and still get the benefits from them. Yes. In a more general sense, I read a very interesting letter in the Irish Times today, and it's from a mum who says, you know, her thirteen year old, she'll be fourteen in a few weeks. She has a phone a year now, and this lady is saying it's taken over her life. She never leaves it down. Snapchat, WhatsApp, TikTok, Instagram. And it's horrendous. And and I've mentioned this before, Lisa, uh, and I see people all the time out walking, looking at their phones, not being in the world, you understand, in yeah. the in the moment, present yeah. in what's happening around them. They're in that yeah. other world. And I honestly believe we have there's an addiction now and there's an epidemic of this and I, I, it's going to have consequences. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, like that's the main benefit that I, I would always say I've gotten from um, from getting rid of the smartphone is being present in the moment. You know, like we human beings are social creatures. We know every bit of research proves that um, our, our mental health benefits hugely from us having sort of meaningful relationships and connections in real life with our friends, our family and our wider community. And it, it really is, like you said, it is really saddening sometimes to be out in the world and you know just the other day like sitting in a doctor's waiting room and you know six people around me and every single one of them is locking down at mm. a phone and you know t- 15 or 20 years ago uh, we would have engaged in conversation with each other and you know we know that those little um, little conversations and little looking up at a stranger saying hello smiling we know that those things benefit our mental health hugely and we've become sort of so disengaged from the world around us and I think that's that's the main thing I think that's that's the thing that's going to have such such a huge uh, implications on our overall mental health uh, you know mindfulness yes. is is has become so popular and um, we know that human beings were sort of naturally more mindful before things like smartphones. You know, we would naturally, we didn't have these distractions all the time, um, but our smartphones are just sort of plucking us out of the present moment all the time. And, you know, I see it. it was, I, I was in a lift the other day and someone got into the lift and just that, that beat of, okay, I'm going to be standing here for 10 seconds. I'll take out my smartphone and distract myself or, you know, do something that you can't just sort of be present in the moment and um, mm. those those little informal moments of mindfulness are gone now because your smartphone has has filled them yes all, so. the, the addiction i these are believe it or not folks and i mean this it's isolating it distracts people from the real world and a relationship suffer and being involved in activities what do you make of the contention that the tech giants like facebook twitter et al They've hijacked our attention and they need to, to make money. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. That's I, I do workshops all around, uh, you know, digital detoxing and things like that. And I, I, I always I remember I read this somewhere before that, you know, in the online world, we are not the customer. We are the thing that is for sale. <laughs> and that's something that's really, really stuck with me. Um, you know, that we, we think, God, isn't it great? We get all these uh, social media apps and they're free. Like, imagine, like, if they, they could easily charge one cent to download a, a, a social media app and they'd make loads of money. But isn't it great that we get them for free? But the thing is, we're, we're not the customer. We, our attention and our time is the thing that is for sale in the, what it's called the attention economy. <laughs> and the, uh, you know that's what that's what people are vying for on uh, in the online world. That the more sort of time and attention that we can give to a particular app or to a website or whatever it might be, that that's how money is made in in the online economy. Yeah. So um, yeah, I definitely think that that's something that sort of the more I understood about that, that's kind of something that really kind of helped me spend less time on my smartphone because I became a bit repulsed by it. I kind of felt almost like I was being manipulated into spending more time on my phone and I thought no hang on a second no I'm yes. not going to be manipulated I'm, I'm going to take back control a little bit you know um, and be the one in, in charge of how I'm spending my time and mm. uh, what I'm giving my attention to you know that, like that's what our, our lives are made up of um, what we pay attention to and just think of how much attention we give to our phones yeah. and how little attention we give to the world around us mm. and you know what does that say for the quality of our, our lives uh, you know Yes and it enables things happening the world that are bad for people bad for countries bad for political bad for the planet and thing and you know we're not we're, we're sleepwalking into, into these things so unfollow dislike remove notifications come on let's get a grip folks <laughs> Are you with me? Get your, uh, yes, I hope lots of people are with you. Um, I'd always say to start with getting your, get your phone out of your bed. That's the first place to yeah. start. Mm. <laughs> that's a big thing. If you yes. can just do that, that's um, a massive thing. Because that has a massive, um, you know, a ripple effect then with your sleep, which, you know, in my work, to be honest, is like the elephant in the room sometimes uh, when it comes to people's well-being. So get your phone out of your, your bed, get it out of the bedroom. Um, he said things like notifications, you know, take back control a little bit and um, I'd read that 85% of people don't change the default notifications on an app when they download a new app and obviously the, the default will be that this app is, is going to uh, notify you and going to distract you and um, so going in and sort of 
getting rid of the notifications um, on uh, on your apps so that you, you won't be notified every time you, you have a message or something. But you can mm. still go in and check it when you want to and when you choose to, but you won't be uh, sort of distracted all the time yes, by it. Yes, yes, good advice. You're tipping away with the nutrition and health coaching and this type of stuff involved. You're and, and back on the road now after... I am, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I suppose I moved more into workplace well-being yes, before yes. The, the pandemic um, and would have been doing lots of workshops in companies so yeah. when the pandemic hit yeah things slowed down a little but then moved online and then I've, I suppose I've ended up having my busiest two years so far with um, helping companies look after all their staff and yep. um, I suppose workplace wellbeing was kind of becoming um, more popular before the pandemic anyway and then when the pandemic hit I think rightly so employers are very concerned about the well-being of their staff all working from home and um, you know uh, the, the effect of that so, uh, yeah, lo- working with lots of Irish companies over the last year, delivering wellbeing programmes um, online mostly, but yeah. uh, getting back into canteens and things now. So I am um, sort of looking forward to, to meeting in person a lot of the companies I've been working with. Yes, and I'm looking forward to that too again down the road. Anyway, Lisa, you're a star. Good on you. Happy fourth birthday. Uh, <laughs> smartphone free. Keep her lit. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jerry. Not at all. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. That's the brilliant Lisa Dunbar there. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. And she's managed it out and she's getting on fine. Louise just asked me a moment ago there, how many apps would you have downloaded onto your phone? And I've just done a quick recce there on the break. I reckon Louise, 24. 24. And does that include like the social media like Twitter and Facebook and Messenger and No, not really. I'm looking at other ones that I... I, No, those platforms, no. No. Did they come as a suite with it? No, would I have downloaded those? You would have downloaded them. Well, then it's more. You know what I mean? If you add those ones on, say 30. Say 30. I wonder if that's a lot. Yeah, I wonder if it is. I've about 16. now, Now, I'm just looking at them. I probably don't use the half of them. Mm. You know what I mean as well? To be honest with you, I could ditch some of them, that's for sure. But are you addicted? Yeah. You are? Uh, Hands up, I am, yeah. And I think in the job we're in, Jerry, we have to be to certain... Yeah, it is a huge part of what we do. There is no doubt about that. And and right, if you're not on the ball here, well, you're off the ball is right. Uh, You have to be. But I have to say to you at weekends now, I don't pay much attention to it at all. Do you not? No. I, I'm definitely on it Monday to Friday, you know, might check in, but I, I really am trying to leave it aside. And when I'm in the garden or if I, please God, the fishing season coming round, out walk and things like that, I pay. Play golf? Never. I go for a pint of the lads on Wednesday? Never. Don't want it. Don't want to know about it. Don't care what happens, really, to be honest with you. I am taking time out. I am. You have to. Yeah. You got it. You got it. You got it. It's just going to. Oh, because that's what they want. You know, they want, and I understand. I I say that, and we are people. They're not alone. You're never switched off in terms of other things. You know what I mean? Being aware, you might watch the news, read a newspaper. You know, I do that at the weekends. You know what I'm saying? I'm still in touch, but I'm not. And I do a lot of reading at the weekends to, you know, educate myself on what's happened the week gone, the week ahead, and pick things as well. I do that for sure. This thing. You re- oh, you actually buy the buy the newspaper. Oh, I do. Yeah, I love. Yeah. I love. I said that before. I love. I'm one of the last of the Mohicans, but I do love newspapers. I absolutely do, and I think they give you something. Uh, my children, who are adults now and have their own children, would laugh at me. <laughs> you can only imagine what their children will be like when the time comes. We'll definitely be fossil fuels. <laughs> That's for sure. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The way it can take over your life. Hey, here, want to? Uh, will you hear about our Louise? Neighbours. Neighbours is gone. Well, it looks that way, doesn't it, Be It's, it's been dropped, isn't it, by Channel 5 or whoever showed it in the UK. Neighbours, Ramsey Street is no more. And I After remember, 40 years. Ah, listen, it's never been the same since Kylie left. Ah, well, you're biased. <laughs> No. I did watch it for a number of years after that. It was great, but I haven't watched it. But it's it's sad. It's running a long time, isn't it? 40 years. I remember when it came out first and there was like people in secondary school and they were grabbing tellies from God knows where during their lunch break from the school to watch it. Really? Yeah. It was that popular? It was that popular. Yeah. And then I think it... I think everyone was delighted then because it, it it only at the start it only was at half one or one yeah. o'clock in the day or whatever it was. Yes. And then they used to do it at one o'clock and then repeat it at half five. It was which on meant everybody got home from school. Yeah, I think it was on BBC. It was on one mm. of the main channels for BBC. years and yeah. years. You, our Louise, oh God, I think I'll touch your toes because you walked where Kylie walked. You were on Ramsey Street. I was. In Australia. Yeah, I don't think it's called Ramsey Street. Is it though. not? No. Yeah. 
But it's just like it's where they film the outside yes. scenes. Like oh, people can, can live I in touch, the houses. Can I touch your feet? Did you walk <laughs> on the feet that, on the ground that Kylie walked? I think and my can feet I? are a bit bigger than <laughs> Kylie's. <laughs> there you go. So you were where they actually when you were out there, you visited where they in Melbourne, where they yeah. filmed uh, neighbours. So it is no more. I presume will you be able to pick it up online or somewhere? You know, we're talking about being always being online and apps. I'm sure it'll be available somewhere if you want to watch or on some satellite channel. You know, or pick up an Australian channel. I think I'm they're sure, filming in Australia till June anyway. Are they? So does that mean it's been stopped completely? Out I there wonder are they yeah. dropping it? Yeah, I wonder are they finishing. Although it off they there? are saying, Jerry, you love this that you know to try and hold on to it. They are thinking of asking Kylie to come back for a few seasons. Are they? Mm. She's moved back home. You see, she's moved back there to Australia go. from London. There you go. It could be. Watch this space, Jerry. On a dull Monday. Especially for you. Some Kylie, we're working on it. We're working on it at the minute, I promise you. Hi, Jerry. It's a pity Corrie and Emmerdale, etc., doesn't go the same way as neighbours. Pure crap from another Jerry. <gasps> oh, my God. I hear the uh, kitchens across the northeast and the pans being bashed everywhere. Anyway, Jerry, thanks for your message. There are many would probably agree with you. And another one there to say thank you so much. For giving Eleona Maguire the big G up, Jerry, for sure, doesn't she deserve it? My next guest on the show, I came across her late last year and I said, I must give her a shout to have a chat with her one day on the show because she's a forager, a herbalist. She's a jewellery designer as well, who came to live in Ireland about nine years ago and she really is making waves in this little country of ours. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon on the show to Ursula Schlor. Hello, Ursula. Hello, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch. You're nine years with us. Are you fed up with us yet? Oh, no, it's getting more and more exciting, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're growing on you every year that passes, are we, Ursula? Yeah, I'm very fine. I'm very fine. Now, tell me, you, you're, you're originally, I know, from Germany, the south of Germany, and you spent a lot of time in the Philippines, what, 27 years or so. What did you yes, do out yes. there? I wanted to live in a bamboo house with my boys. It turned out to be a little bit different. And uh, I started again to make jewellery. And it turned out that I got, um, at the end, a very big business in manufacturing and export worldwide. Okay, so you were my plan. a busy woman with a business out there and working hard. And I, 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 I believe it's a long story. Why did you come to Ireland from the Philippines and you in a beautiful part of the world to come to us here? Yeah, it, um, well, things broke down there. And uh, my daughter, who was born in the Philippines, she then went to Ireland and I went to Germany at that time. And then it turned out she needed me because as a as a grandma because uh, my her little boy was born then, and she asked me to come over. But it was in the seventies already that I was really attracted to Ireland, and I was even concerned about the peace situation there. Mm. And then nineteen seventy six, I was with my eldest son, who lives now in Spain. And he was 10 years old. Uh, we went on the Shannon River together, him and me. Yeah, and I was very touched, and specifically when we arrived in um, Flon McNoise, that really hit me. Okay, so it goes back a while, and you had a taste of Ireland many moons ago, and when your daughter came here, you followed her here, and the rest is history. Exactly. I'm intrigued by what you do. You are in big demand, I know, all over the country, to go and give talks to people and uh, inform them about foraging and the herbal aspect of things. Have you always been a forager all your life? You see, yeah, because uh, through my mother and grandmother, I was very much, um, I knew a lot about the herbs and what is edible out there. I was a lot uh, in nature as a small child. And then the health aspects uh, came when I was in the Philippines. I started to first go with wheatgrass and I said, wait a moment, that doesn't grow in the Philippines. So I was looking around what was green and edible and uh, had also people who knew what is healthy. And then things grew around me, like 20 plus different uh, plants, which I could use in my green smoothies, which I already made in the Philippines. 
Okay, so you bring a, a background from your home country, from the Philippines, with you here to Ireland. Is there an abundance? Would you say now, after nine years here, as and I, I introduced you uh, earlier on today before the show, as somebody who believes there's so much available, free in nature, and all around us. That that is the case here, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's very different in areas. Like um, I love to go sometimes to Sutton to the beach in Sutton, because you see when my, I have to say when I was um, taking care of my grandson until he was almost five years old, I went around to visit him everywhere. And I found the different areas, the beach, for example, in Sutton has uh, mugworth and it has uh, wild spinach and it has Alexander's and so many things. And they are not found where I live now. I live now in the Northwest. Yes. And there are other things here. Mm. So, it, it, yeah. depending on where you are in the country, but Sutton Beach was uh, a, a larder for you, and there were so many things to be had there. Like, look, in Ireland, we would be, like, if I talk from my perspective, I'd be familiar in the autumn with the autumn bounty of wild apples, blackberries, all sorts of berries, the field mushrooms, the mushrooms in the woods. But you go yeah. way beyond that, Ursula. You have a knowledge that there's much more there. We only touch, we only scratch the surface. Is that fair to say? Mm, you see, I'm not an expert in the mushrooms. Yeah. But I'm an expert in the greens. Yes, and the green. Okay. And I don't want to make it complicated for people <clears throat> to tell them uh, what this and this and this is good for. Yes. If you if you uh, collect what is edible in nature, mm. and we need greens. Greens are very, very important. Yeah. You know? So if you have a fair amount of green herbs, now, I don't make tinctures, I don't make creams and stuff like that. I just collect them fresh and then put them in the blender and uh, add fruits to it. Yeah, so everything you do is green and edible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we are at the beginning of the month of February, going into March, the springtime in Ireland. Now, one thing I am familiar with is wild garlic. Okay, I'm familiar with that. Um, yeah, coming up now. Yes, that, that'll be coming shortly. What else? Already is, there. Already there. Is it there? Is it already Really, Ursula? Yeah, yeah. So that Small, is, but I, I can already harvest them now. Lovely. What else at this time of the year should we be looking out for? Well, dandelions coming up. They're tiny, but they can already be harvested. And then you have the young nettles coming up. Yep. <clears throat> and if you live in the area around uh, Dublin area, in even down in Cork, you have the Alexanders. It's a, an amazing wild vegetable. It must have come from the Mediterranean somehow to, <clears throat> to Ireland. Mm. And it starts growing from November to uh, March. Right. It can be harvested during winter all the time. Mm. Come back to nettles and baby nettles and young nettles. How do you prepare them and make them palatable? Now, I remember my father many years ago making nettle soup and drinking it. Yeah, everybody tells me about the nettle soup. And that's about what people in general know. Yes. And also they give it to the turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) They're made to collect. The kids were made to collect the nettles and give it to the turkeys, Right. I was told. But uh, now nettle is what we call a superfood. Mm. So <clears throat> all I do is put them put them in the blender because I don't cook them. Okay. You, you yeah. lose a lot when you cook something. Right. So you put them in the blender and there's this green paste arrives, but you just don't eat that paste, do not you? Not paste, not. You see, I, I, I fill my blender with a different herbs. It's always a mixture. And then if I don't have wild ones, I use my kale or whatever. I grow that as well. But then I put uh, some water with it, I mix it, I sieve it off, yep. and then the pulp of that, I make it into um, what's it called? Um, pesto? Pesto, exactly. Yes. The wild herb pesto. Yeah. And I have a little uh, not very professional a YouTube video where I showed when I was still living in Dublin how to do that and I show a book which I recommend people have it's called God's Pharmacy where you can identify some plants yes but I don't follow the book in terms that I make tinctures or I make I also do teas which is mentioned there as well but I use them fresh and then 
these green stuff, you know, which I see of, it goes back in the blender with fruit. And I always say, uh, it doesn't taste the way it looks. Mm. <laughs> yes, but you know you're right. The green and the green vegetables. We have an organic gardener, Nikki Kyle, is with us all the time. And she's the queen of green. And she's always telling people, eat your greens. Get green into you. It, it, it yeah. is so important. So you, yeah. you, you mentioned there where that video is. I, I checked you out on Gaia Harmony uh, on yeah. Facebook. Is that where it's you, Facebook, is that yeah. your Facebook? Is that where most yeah. things are? Is it, Ursula? Yeah, yeah I, I post most things there. I, I do other things as well. If you look at it, you will see. Yeah, fantastic. But anyway, so at the moment, young nettles, the wild garlic is there, the Alexander in the south part of the country, they are the things. And that book, just mention that book again that can help you identify. Uh, God's Pharmacy, God, no? God's yeah. Pharmacy, it's free out there. And uh, it's by a woman called Maria Treben, T-R-E-B-E-N. Okay, we have that there so that's very helpful when you go foraging because we have to say you've got to know what you're doing don't pick stuff that's not edible that's dangerous exactly and in on that little video I show the different herbs I'm using mm. and as I said it's not very professionally made but it's under my name Ursula Schleur and it says Ursula's slash wild herb slash cocoa fruit smoothie great stuff so it's a wild herb cocoa fruit and it has Ursula's in front. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I love what you do. Keep on foraging and we'll, I'm sure people will be checking you out. Thank you so much for joining me today. All right. Thank Take you care so yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Ursula Schlor there. She's a fantastic lady, and there is so much for free out around us all over the place. Ursula, S C H L O E R is her name. Ursula Schlor is her name. And on Facebook, where I, I had a good look at her, she's an interesting woman indeed. G A I A Harmony. H A A R M O N I E. Money. Gaia Harmony, M-O-N-I-E, is her Facebook details. You'll get more information there. Don't forget to join Sinead each day this week. She's giving away a fantastic voucher for Lidl. And their new store is opening at Mullameal in RD this Thursday, the 10th of February. And Sinead has some fantastic vouchers to give away all week on the 11 to 1 show. Tune in and win with Sinead and Lidl this week on LMFM Radio. Still to come, Fiona Buckley is joining us. She's a work behaviourist and HR specialist. And she's talking to us today in a wee while about the return to the workplace. Ah, yes, it just had to be the little woman herself. With Neighbours in the News, Kylie and Jason, released in November 1988, spent four weeks at number two in the UK charts, didn't make the Christmas number one, but did make it to number one in the UK in the early months of 1989. So there you are, it was three weeks at number one in the UK in 1989. That's Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan there, especially for me on late lunch this afternoon. Louise, Kylie, are you, are you, are you with me and Kylie and Jason and all the chart news I gave there? It did make number one. Sorry, it, I, was, it, I was trying to get my headphones it did, working. It did, it did eventually make it number did, one. It did, yeah. I was, what was it then? What was to do with Cliff Richard? He kept Cliff it was number one for Christmas. Start. Yeah, they right. didn't make the Christmas number one, but they made it there in 1989. Long, I remember long, that song like yesterday. Do you? Great song. Great song. That was Kylie's biggest hit until 2001, from oh, 1988, yes. yeah? Until I Can't Get You Out of My Head. Wow. became bigger than it that was the biggest uh, in that stretch of time it was a long long time it's still a lovely song today it really yeah, is and it rings so through now today is a huge day isn't it today for Queen Elizabeth she is 70 years on the throne of the mm-hmm. UK today so she is 70 years 1952 on this date she became Queen when our father died unexpectedly she was a, very young wasn't she oh my god mm. almighty she, she was only a it taught really she was in Africa when she got the news that he had died and she became queen while she was in Africa. She was over there out in the bush. African queen. African queen is right. But you know some of the I watched the programme about her last night in BBC an hour long bringing us through 52 
to 22. You know, what's changed in the world. And she was in it through the different decades. And you know what was significant in that programme last night? How much significance they placed on our visit to Ireland. Oh, really? Hugely. Oh, in the context of the hour. It got real mm-hmm. prominence and that relationship. And when she shook hands with Martin McGuinness. It's huge historic. Historical, really historical. It really was. And that came across in it. But here's a few interesting stats about Lizzie for you. Do you know how many trees she's planted? <laughs> you know the way you see them planting a tree. Yeah, you've seen that, the royals. <laughs> yeah. She planted one with Charles recently. I won't make you guess. She's planted 1,500 trees. Well, that woman's done her bit for the environment, hasn't she? Definitely. Since she became queen, 1,500. <laughs> she's seen down 14 British prime ministers. 14 different British prime ministers, you know. Um, Madame Tussauds. You know, you can imagine she's been waxed mm, many times. So many times. 27 times. 27. Because of her age, yes, is it? Every she, yes, decade she, or whatever yes, she would change. From, from she took over till she moved through. 27 different <laughs> images of her in, Ma- in Madame Tussauds. It's incredible, isn't it, really? I actually saw her uh, Saturday, did I, or Sunday. She's failed hugely. She really has. Since the death of her husband. Oh, God almighty, you can see it. She has failed immensely. There's no doubt about that. She's a shadow of the woman that she was. She's tiny. Her mind's as bright as a button. Mm. But physically, she certainly has failed a lot. So she has. And well, uh, when you mentioned there that um, visit to Ireland, yes, so would you agree that you know she was a queen that moved with the times? You know, she just—they've said that about her. No matter what you say about the rest of them, <laughs> she didn't stick in the past. She just no, she was on trend. She has moved along, and yeah. she's probably been the one constant. You know, mm. through all the turmoil for the people of the United Kingdom, for them especially, you know what I mean? For them. Uh, and, you know, the one difficult time she endured was when Diana died. And that mm. wasn't referenced at all in the programme last night, which was interesting. You know what I mean? Our take on that. And I think... I it, believe she really put the t- the kids to the forefront there. Yes. Of what she did. She always thought of, of them. Yes. And, she, um, you know, I think it was Tony Blair at that stage that had a big influence on her and went to see her or contacted to say, you know, you got to get out here you know what I mean and, yeah. and lead that was the only thing but apart from that my god when you think of Ooh, the last, she's kind of going through 70 troublesome years. time yeah, at the she's minute out, she's outlived many people <gasps> people don't see 70 years you know what I mean mm. millions don't and she has now I know she is a, lives a privileged life and she's well looked after there's no doubt about that uh, but I thought she looked very frail to be honest with you you know and I'd say they're minding her now really yeah. are you she's know? going through tough times at the minute with all that's going on in the yeah. royal family oh sure sure that's, and, and, and she's had a lot of trouble with children <laughs> Hasn't she? And grandchildren, she has. Like, yeah. but like, it's like any family. You know what I mean? They're in the public. It's just that they they're are under the microscope. They're under the all mic- the time. Yes, yeah. but every family has troubles with children, grandchildren, relationships. It, it's it's there. You know, they're not above that. That's the, they're human, like the rest of us. It's just that they're in the spotlight all the time. But there you are. She's on the throne. Seventy years today, she Queen great, great, Elizabeth. Great granny, yeah. She is great. Great, great. She's a great granny anyway, She's a great she? granny, yeah. yeah. I don't think she's a great, 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 great. She's certainly a great granny, that's for sure. She is indeed. And to all the crew in the family, she is a great granny. That's the, the truest word you ever said. Anyway, it's her birthday today and I'm sure she's enjoying the celebrations. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. So the mass migration back to the office place has begun and many businesses are reintegrating people with their place of work. Some on a gradual basis, some have held off still and others full throttle at the moment. I'm delighted to say hello to somebody who's joined us now regularly on Late Lunch. She's a work behaviourist and HR specialist, Fiona Buckley. Hello again, Fiona. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Look at what, what I mentioned there. You're well aware that this is happening. But will we ever see work return to pre-pandemic where, you know, people had to be under the guise of management for five days, eight hours a day? Or is that gone forever? It ain't happening, Jerry. That's what I'm saying at the moment. Uh, for, for two years, I think employees have been waiting for this day when everyone goes back to the office. But in my view, this is probably never coming. I think if we were here one year ago and we had this conversation, I think it's much more likelier. 
But every time there's a delay, and let's face it, it's been two years now, every delay further entrenches flexible working patterns and renders that full staff return less likely. Ultimately, the office return will look different across sectors and companies. Obviously, there's not a one-size-fits-all back-to-work date. And for some employees, there's not going to be any back-to-work date at all. That's what I'm seeing. I think unless something drastically changes, this full return to the office is likely a myth. And as I said, I don't think it's happening. Do you know the way the government have this 13-point plan that employers can uh, reference in terms of not granting remote working? You've seen this, I'm sure, and where people are saying, well, that's all weighted on the side of the employer. Yet, I was talking to somebody at the weekend who are trying to recruit for a key role at the moment, and they told me, Fiona, honestly, that unless there is flexibility, people are saying they're not taking the role. Exactly. And this 13 point plan, I've seen it the minute it came out, I reviewed it and it is very weighted in in the employer. It's given you basically every reason possible to reject a remote working um, kind of work. So it is heavily weighted against the employer in practice. And in reality, there is a lot more power with the employee at present. And this is because there's an ongoing hiring crisis and it's a supply and demand issue, Jerry. And in some sectors, currently employees have much more power than they've ever had before. Mm. So there's a huge power play here if the employer won't accommodate requests for different job conditions, such as this flexible working. Employees will simply choose to switch to one who will, because this has now become a lot more important than salary and a lot more important than bonuses and things like that. They want to be in the home in some cases. Isn't that so ironic that you say that? They were nearly the words I had in the conversation with this person who's saying to me, I can't, I have great people, but they want, you know, they want that. And and it's not about the money. You are so right. It's so interesting the way things have changed and the landscape has moved. Now, tell me this. You're in this business dealing with managers, employers, leaders all the time. Is there a real desire to have people under the thumb again, five by eight, five days, eight hours a day or more? There's a real mixed answer here. So it's yes and no. A a lot of managers and leaders have had a lot on their shoulders the last two years. And we have to remember, Jerry, they're human beings like Mm. the rest of us, too. And, you know, I've been coaching a lot of them during the pandemic. And a lot of them have said, look, as long as I trust my team, they trust me. I'm supporting them. They're all getting on okay, and productivity and results are okay. There is not that main reason to be back in the office. Now, what a lot of them are saying is, you know, we definitely need to get together a couple of times a month to have those kind of team collaboration days where we can brainstorm and look at ideas and things like that. But broadly speaking, if the results are there and productivity is fine, which let's face it, in many organizations, productivity has gone through the roof in the last two years. And now, obviously, every sector and every company is different. But if those things are there, there's not that need to rush everyone back to the office for the sake of it because productivity will suffer. I'll make you laugh, Jerry. I was, I was chatting to someone last week and they said to me, basically, Fiona, I'm going, into the, going to go into the office when I've nothing to do. That's what they said to me. If, I have, if I'm really, really busy, I'm going to stay at home because that's where I get stuff done. The day where I could actually go in, have a few cups of coffee and shoot the breeze, that's when I'm going to go into the office. That says it all. Yeah, and it says what a lot of people are saying. And I, even I myself, like I get up early in the mornings. Uh, I'm in at the computer much earlier than I would have been in the past. In here, of course, showtime, things like that. Back at it again when I go home. So, you know, th- there's no doubt about that. The other thing is, you're touching something interesting there. I've heard many as a person say uh, you know I know you have the difficulties if you're at home and when the children were at home from school and things like that but basically now when schools are in and things are running at normal uh, there's less distraction yeah yeah correct and you know another concern with the schools issue is though that people maybe have stopped their after school activities for children so if your children are older like nine or ten parents want to be there when they turn the key in the door so they can actually connect with them instead of that one hour that they were used to when they come back at five or six o'clock this is causing a big concern for for people and it's a, a requirement that they want to keep and I think that because people want to keep those kind of requirements at play, they're working really hard to show that there's no impact on performance or productivity if they stay in this environment. So the risk of productivity slipping is quite low. And that's what a lot of managers and leaders are respecting and seeing. Yes, because there's often a scenario where people suspect that, you know, that takes precedence to the work and the work is suffering. You're not seeing or hearing that. No, in, in the majority of cases, I'm not. If 
work was suffering, it was suffering pre-pandemic. If there was issues with performance before the pandemic, they've been pretty much amplified. And that could be just to, you know, due to a lot of different things. But in the majority of cases, productivity and performance has been good. And most people are thriving with the proper supports in play. We are so used to this routine now of being kind of mostly at work, our exercises wrapped around it, our home environment. Um, I think it's here to stay for a lot of people. And Most of the companies that I've been dealing with over the last, say, six weeks have been operating a 25-75% rule where they're going to be going back into the work 25% and staying at home 75% Mm. for Q1 and Q2 this year. It's far better for life all around. I have to say, even listening to you today reinforces that to me. Now, let's take the scenario of that 25% or even if it's a little more or less or whatever, where somebody after two years has to get in the car or jump on a bus or a train and make that hour long or more commute, which we have here from the northeast into Dublin. As you know, so many people do it and haven't been for the last couple of years. What do you say to someone who, you know, uh, who's in the process of going back and coming to terror? with that. Yeah, I have a couple of practical tips I'm going to share, Jerry. I think the first one is that we kind of have to be compassionate and empathetic to ourselves and to everyone else in the office when we're going back. We're all a little bit out of practice. And some of us had have had a very challenging two years, whereas some of us had had a very easy kind of thriving two years. But we are a bit kind of on sensory overload when we go back in. So it's just to kind of exercise that compassion and empathy. The second thing I'd say is we need to manage our expectations. It's not going to be anything like it was before. Things haven't stay the same even down to our local coffee shop or in the office could actually be gone we have a new barista everything's changed um so we have to really kind of manage and sometimes even lower those expectations because everything has not changed or hasn't stayed the same the third thing i would say is set your boundaries from the outset know your non-negotiables going back in. So if it's around your exercise routine, children, meetings, whatever it is, set your boundaries from the outset. The fourth tip I'd say is it's going to be a new routine. You're going to be more time stretched and more tired because we've been used to operating in maybe a hybrid Mm. or work from home scenario. So our brains and our bodies are used to that. So again, be very mindful of sensory overload, especially if you're more introverted or a quieter type of personality. Be kind to yourself going in. And the last tip I would say which is probably the most important one, is to be a little bit selfish with your time and energy. Who are you going to spend it on when you go back in? Because you want to maximize the amount of time when you're in the office. So what projects or teams or activities or individuals do you want to meet up with? How can you show up where you want to be? Great advice there, I have to say. Will you explain something to me? And I've seen this a few times and I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure you you do. What's change fatigue, Fiona? Yes, that's the buzzword of Q1 this year, Jerry. So change fatigue is when we're just a little bit exhausted from all this change that's been going on. So we're entering now into possibly more change where we are going back to the office for some of the time. And that is change at home and it's a change at work. So when we're a bit tired already, we can suffer from change fatigue when we're embracing yet more change. And we're sometimes not ready for it because we haven't processed all the things that have happened. So sometimes the symptoms of change fatigue can be kind of negativity, feelings of stress or burnout, kind of having a cynical attitude and just feeling generally low morale about work and in general. So the the, the kind of top tip I would always suggest to people if they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by change fatigue is start acknowledging the fact that it's there. And talking with someone like a professional to kind of overcome that fatigue and process the last two years, go back and see what has worked well, what am I still holding on to and what do I need to drop to release that kind of brain to to let me get onto that new set of change. Just a question there for you. I'm uh, due to go back to work next month, one day a week, moving to two and then three days over the following months, Jerry. I'm really concerned about going back because I have an underlying health condition. Would you ask Fiona for her advice? Yeah. So I, I would say open and transparent communication with your manager would be the first step here, because, again, it depends, obviously, on the role you're doing and the sector you're doing. But 
the more open and honest you are with, with, you know, with comfort levels, of course, it's about communicating those non-negotiables or the concerns with going back. If your performance and productivity are fine, there generally tends not to be an issue. The, the difficulty I'm finding is that employers are trying to maybe put a one size fits all approach for people. And it's very role dependent because some roles can actually be done purely from home mm. with the odd touch points of coming in for meetings here and there. So I would communicate with your employer the concerns in most cases. And obviously, I don't know this individual case, but in most cases, managers, and employers have been quite open to get feedback back. They don't want a situation where people are unhappy coming in because that is going to affect the job in the long run. And, and just in relation to that question coming in, there's a lot of people in that boat. So I just want to normalize how you're feeling. Yes, and talk, open communication, make your feelings known. And as you said earlier on in our conversation, it is an employee's market at the moment. I know this, and you've mentioned it several times as well. Employers want to accommodate because there is a scarcity out there as well. And with productivity rattling along and the economy booming, well, all is good at the moment. Fiona, will you remind them how they can check you out? Yeah, sure. LinkedIn is probably the best way of catching me. Um, I'm posting a lot of blogs and things around these kind of topics and more. So LinkedIn is probably the best way. Fiona Buckley, brilliant as usual. Until the next time, thank you so much for joining us on Late Lunch again today. Thank you, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Fiona Buckley there, work behaviourist and HR specialist. Well, Mary Berry, what do you think of that? 25% off. (laughs) Why are you calling me that? Mary Berry. Mary Berry. Jeez, talk about addiction. The social media was everywhere. I just copped it this morning when I went in. You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're all over the spot. Well, you know, it was a once in a lifetime thing. (laughs) Me making biscuits does not happen every day. Folks. Sorry. Me trying to make them. No, biscuits. you did make them. Now, don't take it. Don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. You did. I, I looked at, they look really, really nice. Why did you take a figari and make them? Because it was a horrible day. And yeah. my daughter wanted to make brownies all by herself. And then my son, my youngest said, can we make pickies? So I went on to internet and yeah. looked up the easiest possible biscuit recipe yes. for kids, obviously, you know, yeah. that I could use. And um, yeah, started from there and then I actually found an electric mixer I never knew I had and uh, yeah we just threw caution to the wind uh, had kind of 999 on speed dial and put on the oven <laughs> Well what did it taste like? Come on Yeah um, well I'm on a sugar diet so I couldn't no I, <laughs> I did taste them They were scoffed I, they were scoffed were they they, they ate them they cleared the, they cleared the lot yeah. Well I was brought you in one Oh, I don't believe you. I do. I'll have to have taste it while we're on the break and I'll tell them what it's like after three o'clock. Anyway, she and started... And if there's nobody after three, you know what happened. <laughs> you will indeed. Send me a message. Anyway, elbow elbow to Mary Berry, the new Mary Berry. She's on her way. Her new book will be coming shortly. <laughs> she started with biscuits, but the world... It'll be called Don't Try This at Home. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. The world's her carrot cake, I was going to say. Oh. Oh yes, our Oxford lunch, our Brack, or whatever you name it. Anyway, watch this space. She's got started. She found the mixer, and God knows where this only goes with our Mary Perry. I wonder is this going to be good for me? God, hold on till I open it. She brought me in a picky and it's shaped like a chicken. It's like a little chicken, and I have a cup it's of tea. It's meant to be a dog. What? <laughs> Jesus, that's the funniest. Well, it could be. It could be a cairn. It could. You're right. Sorry, I take it back. It could be a little. <laughs> when is a chicken a dog? When's the next break. When is a chicken a dog? When Louise makes biscuits. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to have another look at it. It's not a chicken, it's a dog. <laughs> Jesus, how did I get that wrong? What kind of anyway, I'm about to bite the head off the chicken dog. Hold on. Mm, nice and crunchy. Mm. Too crunchy. No. I have to say, in all honesty, I love your biscuits. Ah. Lovely. It's gorgeous, Louise. It's gorgeous. It's oh, nice crunch scary. to it. Lovely flavour. Mmm, and lingering. I'm like Rick here with the wine. Lingering on the <laughs> palate. Mmm. I really like that. 
Anyway, oh, whether it's you. a chicken or a dog, sure, I'm half. I'm, a get, I'm going to. Which I'm, came first, the I'm chicken so, or I'm the emba- dog? I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> I'm going to Specsavers. I haven't been in years. Anyway, it didn't pass for either, depending on which way you turn it. But, well, you can just marry Berry off. No. <laughs> But no, I do see the terrier in it now. I do see the terrier in it. Sorry, I apologise, Louise. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's all in the taste. It's all in the taste and the texture. And I give that. uh, It's a 10 from Len. I love it. I love you, Bickies. Make more, I say. Make more. We've a request in there. Who have we the request for, Louise? A lovely request. It's bang. It's down in the middle of those messages there. So hold on. It's for... A special Auntie Joan Maguire in Moorhall Lodge on the Dublin Road from all the Talons in Clarehead. And they that say, we love, love you. Yes, they love you. They love you, Auntie Joan. They do indeed. Anyway, well, we'll dedicate the song today from my soundtrack from the musicals to Joan Maguire. Let me tell you what I've selected this week. And Louise is chuffed. She's singing songs with me all morning on the Zoom. <laughs> and I couldn't knock her off. <laughs> <laughs> You did try. I did, I did. Anyway, no, I didn't. I'm not like that. What are you like? No. Anyway, The Sound of Music is the first movie I ever went to see. I told you this before in the cinema, the Gate Cinema in Drogheda, when I was about seven, I'd say, with my auntie Gladys Woods, and I'll never forget it. It was just magical. It's always stayed with me ever since, and I love it. And I watched it again at Christmas time. It was on the TV, and it's simply... Superb all these years later. 1965, we're going back to when it was released. Starring Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer about a young Austrian postulant, Maria, who was sent to the home of the retired naval officer and widower, Baron von Trapp, who uh, she's to be governess there, to his seven children. Oh my God, the von Trapp children, seven of them. And, you know, with time, with the love and the music she brought to the family's lives, she eventually marries her boss and survives the loss of everything in Austria to the Nazis. The soundtrack, which I'm featuring this week, is renowned the world over. One of the biggest sellers ever that has been reissued numerous times since 65. Listen to this. It spent number one on the US album charts. Where It made number one on the US album charts, where it stayed, listen to this, in the top ten for more than two years. And it stayed in the charts in the States for four and a half years in total. That is simply remarkable. It really, really is. And nearer to home in the UK, it spent 70 weeks at number one in the UK album charts between 1965 and 1966. Unprecedented, but no surprise. When you listen to songs of the calibre of these. How do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you catch a cloud and pin it down? How do you find a word that means Maria? A flippity gibbet, a will of the wisp, a clown. These are a few of my favourite things. When the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad. <laughs> simply remember my favourite <laughs> things and then I don't feel so Oh my God Almighty, that song just makes me smile every time I hear it. And it's so true. The words ring true. And I have something new to add to my favourite things. Louise Walsh's Biscuits. Yeah. A.K.A. The New Mary Berry. My God, they're lovely. No matter what shape they are. More about the sound of music in song and words round about this time tomorrow on your late lunch. I know it's a very popular movie. It really is. No need to remind you, we are emerging from the pandemic bit by bit. It's been a tough two years and our Sinead Burke, she's a fantastic observer of life. And here she is with our latest ditty where she's talking about the Burke family and the emergence from the pandemic. Mr Burke recently had what the great Ronan Collins refers to as a roundy birthday. It was a landmark anniversary the arrival of which, I'll be honest with you, shook the both of us a little more than we expected. I was, of course, a child bride, so I'm considerably younger than himself. But still, soul-searching can be contagious, and the fact that even one of us had reached such a milestone in life has led to some self-reflection. I have taken a long, hard look at myself and have decided that changes need to be made. I'm not talking about expanding my mind or changing career paths or even being a better, more caring person. No, none of that nonsense. I mean, I literally looked in the full-length mirror in the hall 
and saw some room for improvement. In fact, if Dermot Bannon were in charge of this makeover, he'd have a lot more to do than add one of his glass boxes and a kitchen extension to make me more functional and pleasing. Advancing middle age and the last two years have taken their toll. Once average to middling good looks have withered away to reveal black bags under my eyes nicely contrasted with the grey pallor my face has taken on. Last week, I tried to brush away a stray hair which rested across my forehead. After several minutes of agitated pawing, I realised, dear listener, it was in fact a deep wrinkle. I've made peace with the crow's feet years ago, but Tara Mines could have found a new ore body in this yoke. Such was the depth of its crevice. Muscles are being pulled and aches are being felt with alarming regularity and I approach everyday tasks with trepidation. Loading the dishwasher counts as risky behaviour. I recently put my back out, reaching to put a ticket into the machine, exiting Navin Shopping Centre car park. Now I'm not looking for someone or something to blame for the woeful state I find myself in. But if I was, and let's be honest, it's always nice to be able to pass the book, then I am firmly placing all fault at lockdown's door. My advancing years aside, I think the pandemic has really done a number on me. While I was innocently, and some might say heroically, doing exactly what Tony Houlihan told us to do, sitting on the couch and drinking wine for two years. Little did I know that as well as doing my bit for the nation's cause, I was quietly going to seed. I'm not looking for a medal. Ireland called and I was not found wanting. I did what needed to be done. However, a bit of notice that things were going back to normal wouldn't have gone astray. One minute you're scrolling through Netflix to see if there's anything you haven't watched. The next, you're expected to dress in something that doesn't have an elasticated waistband and leave your house looking something approaching presentable. Fair is fair, Tony. I've two years of national service to undo. And so it begins. I'm walking the roads and watching what I eat. There's no more drinking during the week. I'm still avoiding eye contact with the weighing scales. But someday soon, I will put on footwear that has some class of a heel. Like a pre-menopausal, well-built butterfly emerging from its upholstered chrysalis, I am rising slowly off the couch, painfully blinking at the shock of sunlight as it hits my eyes, and slowly, nervously, re-emerging back into the world. Like many a room to improve project, the process has involved some private tears, self-doubt and a fair few tantrums. As usual, it's been a bigger project than I first envisioned. The contingency amount of patience has long been spent and there has been several nights spent starving and staring, bereft at the wall, wondering why did I ever start this in the first place. But then I remember, a good Dermot Bannon makeover is all about improving functionality. And as God is my witness, once this walking and dieting is over, there won't be a ticket machine in the land I won't be able to use without risking partial paralysis. Brilliant, Miss Sinead Bark there with a wonderful observation on life. And I'm sure it's reflected across the northeast and beyond what she says there. Thanks a million, Sinead. Look forward to hearing from you again soon. Uh, coming up on late lunch tomorrow afternoon, Tony Conlon, our motoring man, reviews the Kia Sportage. Kristen Jensen talks to us about a new way of publishing for foodies. And Sarah Behan, she's on RTE tonight about her abuse. Eddie Caffrey's next. See you tomorrow, 1.30. I never kissed a mouth that tastes like yours Strawberries and something more Ooh yeah, I want it all Lipstick The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.